Uh, I know some of you haven't been here with us for the last year, so, so I'll just give a bit of context. This is Mal, and this is Chris Sale, and their son Jaden. And we asked them, when we, when we moved back indoors, back at, at, in September uh, last, last year, um, we'd seen how over 25 years or so, um, they had lived as an extended household um, and uh, had a, quite a strong uh, Christian culture within their, within their family. And, and we are, as we've been looking to rebuild as a community over the last, um, since we've kind of come back out of lockdown, we've asked them to help us um, look at different ways that we can form community as a church. And uh, so uh, we're going to jump in today to uh, creating culture. I'm going to give you, this is the better microphone. You can have I wonder what's going on. Are you having yeah. two microphones? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this one doesn't sound quite so, so good. So you, you can sound richer and, and clearer. And Thank you very much. Yeah. Do you want to say anything in terms of setting the scene for uh, um, where we've been so far? I really like the analogy that I heard Chris say to me of when he said, um, during COVID, it feels like we've, we've been looking with one eye. We, we've, we used to do church mainly focused looking out of the eye of gathering and event that's how we looked at church and covid has made us look out of the other eye of how we do church when we can't gather in our households and in our smaller units um but now when we're getting to use our other eye again how do we use both eyes and how do we keep using that the eye that isn't that we don't just become about being a gathered church we want to be using both eyes which I, I thought, yes, that's something worth going after. Yeah. So that's why we're loving playing with you on it. Something that I, in a minute, we'll get into a, a bit of Bible. But when I was at university, I, I was a, I was a Christian. I'd become a Christian a few years before I went to university, and um, I, I was quite conscious. Like Freshers' Week was this big thing when everyone goes and gets really drunk and goes and sleeps around. And, and I was like, I, I, I'm living by a different way of life now. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Jesus person. I don't want to do that. Uh, how do I go and be in this environment and not just be the boring one that says, no, I'm not doing that, not doing that? How do I just not, be, how do I, how do I not just say no and actually have a, a good yes? And um, so I was kind of grappling with that question. Um, you know, I tried that whole world and, and I found it, found it didn't work. It wasn't, wasn't as fun as it was supposed to be. And I'd found Jesus and it was, and it was wonderful. But I was, it took me a while to figure out, and I still am really, you know, how to, how to live in the world. And there was this guy there, I think his name was Ed. And he was really striking because he was a Christian. And, but he wasn't like geeky and boring and weird and always saying no. There was something about him that was really magnetic. And I think everyone just liked being around him. And I thought for me, oh, this is a really, this is, just looking back at it, this is an example of a culture that is not like a no culture, can't do this, can't do that, but it's an infectious kind of, I want to be around you and catch some of what you've got. That was something that I think of for, for us as a church. And I think of different examples within the church about, and I think our birthdays thing is actually one of it, you know, is one of the people that speak life over each other and cheer each other on is one of the distinctives of us as a, as a culture. So, um, for us, the analogy we use of that is being like a train. I think so often Christians are thought to be the brake car of the train. You know, don't, with the, the main word being don't. You know, 
don't cuss, don't smoke, don't drink, don't chew, don't go with girls that do, as the, uh, it's all don'ts as the thing, rather than being the end, uh, I think our challenge, the thing I think I still want to live into is how can we be an engine of a cultural train, not the brake car, not the ones critiquing and criticizing, but actually being defined by something different as an engine. So hopefully that's what we'll get into. So do you, want to, do you want to start off, should we uh, look at the scripture first? Do you want me? Sure. Um, well, can we just go, can we just go to the, the, the first, the Peter Drucker slide? So for those of you on the live stream, we've posted the link to the PDF of these slides. It's the easiest way for you to see them, so you should be able to yeah. click on that. Uh, I guess this is the one that we, we found quite informing. Uh, Peter Drucker's a business uh, guru type guy. And his quote was, uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And uh, I really like that. And uh, his, his point was, it doesn't matter what your strategy is to do something if you don't have a culture that supports it. So, for instance, if you wanted to do alpha in church and say to everybody, come on, our strategy is for doing alpha, but you had a culture where nobody had any non-Christian friends or connections, or had any time doing life wider than church, your culture just ate your strategy. <laughs> that an alpha is not going to work. And, and I think that's that thing of we can have some great strategies, but if the culture behind it isn't working, it's not going to work. So that's what, uh, I guess that's why we go, this is something to wrestle with and to, to think about. Can we, keep, can we keep going on the slide? And then this is the uh, this is the verse I think you were re referring to. Um, there are two scriptures we wanted just to uh, look at with you that were that for us inform the idea of wrestling with culture. And um, Deuteronomy six, uh, I'd really recommend. By the way, that right hand is uh, is actually the link to the Bible Project video uh, on the word Shema. And uh, all Shema means is to hear, and uh, to hear or listen, and to uh, to obey, to pay attention to what the Lord is saying. So hear, O Israel, what the Lord is saying. Pay attention to what the Lord is saying, and put it into practice. And right when we started this series, looking at. Um, Jesus reimagining what household or your network of relationships was. Um, when he said, who are my family? Um, he then quotes the Shema. He quotes, um, who are my mothers and brothers? He says, when the, the disciples say, your mothers and brothers are here. He says, who are my mothers and brothers? Those who Shema with me. Those who hear the word of the Lord, pay attention to what the Lord is saying and put it into practice with me. So I think we were trying to say right from the start to think about household is actually what, who do you hear the Lord with? Who do, you, who do you try and get time and space to pay attention to where God is getting your attention? And where do you put it into practice? So we loved that idea that it's, um, yeah, that it's that. Should I read this out? So this is the first, yeah, so this is Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse, from verse 4. So it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. 
you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And one of the things that's so big about this is that, is that in the context into which that was spoken, so the sort of ancient world in which Moses and co. were living in, uh, and you can kind of imagine it thinking about indigenous uh, peoples around the world, um, it was believed that there were loads of gods doing different things. Kind of think about ancient Greeks or ancient Romans. There's a god of the sea, there's a god of the clouds, there's a god of love. And, and, and then there's all these sort of family, ancestral spirits, and, and every, in, every, in all these little zones of life, the idea is that um, there's a separate God that does this and God does that. And the big revelation, the big news of Yahweh, the God of Israel, revealing himself is saying, actually, there's one God. I am one God, and I'm everywhere. And I'm the one that made everything. And uh, I am you know, I, I'm everywhere. So, so, so rather than people having this life split between I follow God when I'm, you know, going into my boat and I'm scared of the ocean killing me, destroying me, and otherwise I live a completely different life elsewhere. The whole thing is actually God is with us everywhere. And so can you m- maybe unpack a little bit about, so we're really drawing on what Mao and Chriselle have done as, as family and seeing how can we do that as a church? How can we learn from this as church? So how have you lived this kind of integrated culture as a as a home, which is like God is in everything, rather than you've got your, you put on your special clothes and you're and you're a Christian, or you, you know you go and do religious services, and then then you switch into a different mode and you're very different. And so, what how, how's that kind of outworked for you? Um, let me uh, can can you go to the next slide because I think it might even uh, show it a little bit there. I think it's the idea of. We can either be defined by the world and the gods of everything else going on, or we can be a thermostat. I think we've really felt the challenge of we can set the temperature. We can actually be the ones who say, actually, it's not just God on Sundays. I love the idea that people understood that priests were for Sundays, but monks were ex- for expressing faith all week. Uh, historically, you know, that, and I thought we, we want our household to be monkish. <laughs> you know, we want to be monkey in what we do. We want, we want faith to be in everything. So our wallets, the way we talk about relationships, life, conflict, everything, we're assuming that God's with us in all of it, that the Lord your God is one. He's, he's with us in all of it. And it's, it's interesting. Can you keep going? That they, they understand that there are three main elements to creating culture which are which are actually expressed in that verse and the other one we'll look at that there's a language around it the language you use but also symbols and story so you're telling the stories of 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 your life and the life that you're part of with God that we've looked at in the last sessions um, but there's also symbols of that I loved hearing you telling me about you guys doing Chinese New Year and actually making some of the blessings to to have as symbols that reflect this. There's something here we're going after. Does that yeah. make sense? So oh, I brought a live one for us today. Do you want to say, uh, so it's our wedding anniversary today. Uh, 29 years. Um, which the inter- <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> but um. So we have a little flagpole outside our house. And um, when visitors come from other nations, we put the flag out of their nation as a kind of welcome and as a symbol. But then um, when Jaden went traveling, he came back with, uh, does anybody know that flag? 
It's the only one that has fronds at the end of it. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's actually, uh, I'll give you a clue. That is the image in the Gospels. That's actually the Gospel. And uh, it's the line of Mark. That's St. Mark. No, it's, it's, it's actually Venice. And that's St. Mark Square. Mark the Evangelist uh, is what it says in Latin on the, in the book thing. And uh, if you go to their festivals, there's a load of these hanging out. And um, we put this up outside our house to say it's our wedding anniversary. It's the symbol of saying it's our anniversary. And then um, we tell the story of, uh, we, we then try and watch the video of our wedding day and just go back over telling the story and even looking back and now it's kind of gosh they've died and they've died and life has moved on in lots and lots of ways but actually the um going back and telling the story again and i think culture is about that's those three things culture of story symbol and um language the language that you're using to reinforce what do we want to go after is that Makes it so, so in this scripture, it actually says then afterwards, love the Lord, he, um, then have symbols, tie it on your, uh, tie it on your wrists and on your foreheads, um, have it around your door frames, are all the things of the values and attributes of God that you want to go after as reminders in your home of, of that your Lord, your God is one, that he's in everything. I put another couple of people because uh, last summer we went to tell the story with our family. We took them to the hill. If you just go to the next, um, we uh, we took them last summer because it was 30 years since we met last summer. And uh, one of our first dates was to sit on a rock in the Peak District and to gob cherry stones and to see who could gob it the furthest. And we reenacted it with them 30 years later. And then we, we climbed the hill um, with all of our kids and a godchild. And uh, that was the hill that we climbed up and said, uh, we got to the top on our first date and said, we think we're going to spend the rest of our lives together. And then we walked down holding hands. And we'd never taken our kids to that. So it was taking them to be part of the story, to imagine themselves into the story, and to know the story of their heritage as well as their God heritage. And I guess we're trying to reflect that culture and those values into, expressed in different ways in bits of life. So how would someone who's coming into your house um, experience your culture? I know, you tell me. <laughs> I live there. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> I tell you some of the things we try and do intentionally. So if you went to the next slide, we, we've tried to work out our version of this. So... Um, and this was the other verse I was going to reference. The, what, are, what are the main things that we're trying to go after? What's the main list? So th this is some friends of ours in South Wales. And if you drive uh, into, their, uh, into where they live in the middle of nowhere, um, next to their front door, it says this. In this house, we do real, we do fun, we do family, we do cake, we do second chances, we do hugs, we do love. And their whole community has to drive past their front door 
that theirs is the first house before everybody else in their little village. And everybody sees that as they drive up their road. And, I lo- and then you go inside and, it, yeah, they really do do cake. <laughs> Very well. But I love that, having a something that you declare of this is what uh, our things are. Yeah, this is what this... And that's the verse that... Um, that the other verse that we think informs us is that one underneath this from uh, Joshua of, uh, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That's actually Joshua rebuking the people of God at a time where you strayed from God's covenant. Now, are you going to serve him or not? And he's actually, it's a challenge scripture. He's saying, you know, choose now today the way you go. Are you going to align your actions to what you say you're about? As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord, but what about you? And he actually doesn't believe them. And uh, they, they say, oh, we will. And he kind of pushes in and pushes in. And in the end, he creates a symbol. If you read on in Joshua 24, he says, I know you've been defined by the gods of your ancestry and that culture. And I've also know you've been defined by the place that you've been living and that culture. And it says, if you read on, he, he erects a stone and says, this stone has heard your commitment this day to serve the Lord. And it will be a witness. This stone will, will be a witness to what you have committed to this day in that place of Shechem. So it's a symbol communicating your commitment of this day. Which, again, it's just, it makes me read through Scripture slightly different. Going, look at where they reminded, reminded themselves of the story of what God's done. Look at where they've got symbols of this. And look at how they're using language to reinforce God being in everything of their lives. Great. I think what we're, we're, in, a, in terms of where we're going with this conversation, uh, we'll, we'll finish by having an opportunity to have some questions for, for Mal and Chris and, and Jaden as well, if they'd like to. Um, I'm conscious as we're, as Mao's speaking that that that, that culture is um, either formed deliberately uh, or it's um, or it just happened without us realizing. But whatever happens, wherever we go as individuals um, uh, or or where we are leading a setting by having a home or whatever, um, we, we we know we're either deliberately or not deliberately creating a culture. So I'm thinking, Christie's just uh, so on a on a on a Monday. I tend to be finishing up work here. My office is just behind that cross, about 5.30 or 6. And by, by around 6 o'clock, Christy's positioned here. He's got really nice lighting going on, and there's worship music playing. And he's getting ready for Celebrate Recovery, and, uh, which happens here every Monday evening. And I think, you know, I pop my head out the door and say hi to Christy as I'm leaving. And as I do, I look into this space that is really warm, uh, he's very well prepared in terms of literature and stuff for Celebrate Recovery and, and tokens that celebrate when people have um, reached certain milestones in their journey. Um, and it's in this atmosphere, in this environment of worship. And I think that for me is an example of a kind of a curated space, an intentional space where he's formed this, uh, set the tone for a culture. So people walk into that and they walk into a kind of a warmth and they walk into, a, um, into an environment. This is unashamedly a Jesus place. And uh, for, me, it's, for me, it's a really good example of a, of a lovely culture that, you know, is great to, is great to be in. I mean, so coming back to you, Mal, and, and, and thinking about, uh, there was a particular thing that I wanted to beam in on, 
which is, uh, 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 you might just deflect this and say this is for next time, <laughs> but, okay. but, but feel free. But there is the, there's the you, you mentioned the Joshua um, scripture, which says, where Joshua, and his, he says, as for me and my household, we're going to follow God. We're going to serve God. And so I'm just interested, in, like, like Jaden's here, and, and like how, how for your, as your children were growing up, did you and Chriselle set a culture that says, this is going to be our, this is, you know, because we're, con- I think, I think for, for, for people with teenagers or children, you're kind of conscious, you want to give, give them a freedom of choice about, are they going to follow Jesus? We're not going to force them to. Yeah. At the same time, you don't want to just leave them like a, leave them to grow like an untended plant yeah. that um, is vulnerable to the elements and so on. How do you, how do you, there's an interesting dynamic there in terms of culture, not sort of forcing it down someone's throat, um, but at the same time, not being ashamed of it or, Exactly that one. Exactly that one. So we've um, we've got our version of the of the seven uh, of our seven, and uh, we've got a little handout or a, a an exercise sheet that for you to do if you want to to work out your own. What are the things that we most want to go after? And uh, let me tell you mine because I think they fit with this. And th- th- these are on the sheets that we're going to give you. Um, the first is that we look to be fun. We, we want fun to be defining. Um, that includes having a family night every Friday night where there's no um, phones involved um, uh, together. We want to sing. You know, there's the verses in the, uh, um, uh, Ephesians about sing to one another. So we don't say grace. Uh, we sing grace. And then when we do best bit, worst bit uh, of the day with each other, then um, whoever's last gets uh, a round of applause and a song that uh, our foster son forced us to do last night, forced me to do a, uh, a, a uh, solo of, because he didn't consider that I was singing uh, enough last night. <laughs> um, as a... So I think it's trying to be fun, but also what are we? We are fun, but we are spiritual. So we're not embarrassed to do um, graces, some graces before meals. Actually, that's the celebration of it. We, we're, we're not, uh, so I think our assumption is um, anybody who comes into our household, if you're coming to our household, you accept us. And you accept that we're going after something. And what we're going after is being fun and spiritual. So um, you might not be on that page yet yourself. But the fact you're in our ha- with us, that says that you accept us. So you can cope with us being us. So we want to be fully us. So we're going to go after being fun. We're going to go after being spiritual. We're going to go after being um, one of our other ones is huga. The Scandinavian word for candles and coffee and just having an atmosphere, a cozy atmosphere. And so we kind of say, uh, how do you know we're meeting? We, we light a candle whenever we meet. Ikea makes money out of us. Um, that that we, uh, we always have a candle when, when we're gathered. And because it's kind of a, you're not really gathered, you're not really engaging until the candle's lit would kind of be our, our culture of it. So effectively being spiritual, I think telling the story, anything that is telling the story. So I'd say wherever any of our kids in our world are up to, I think the reminder of the festivals and how we do festivals is the easiest in of being spiritual because it's around food. 
So Passover, which I know you're about to do. I did it early. Have you already done it? But what a way of telling the story and how that informs what communion is and, and being part of that. And yeah, we will, you know, if it's a major occasion, um, I think there has been a point with the kids where you stop maybe when they're small enough and it, uh, we'd pray before bed every night. But then it's, we'll still pray, but then it's we, we, we want to be openly spiritual. If you don't want to pray as we go to bed, fine. If you're scared tonight... I want to be able to offer to pray. Um, visitors coming to our home and then leaving if it's something significant. We love the sense of um, putting an arch over them and sending them out into what God has for them. Uh, when we transitioned the baby we had from birth uh, that we fostered, and uh, as, as uh, she left with her dads who'd come to pick her up, and we'd just done two weeks of transition, we'd said to the dads the day before, you know, you've got to know us pretty well. You know, you've been there at bedtime, at uptime. You've, you've seen our bedroom that a lot of people haven't. Um, uh, and you know, I think, who we are. Who we are is we love at major moments praying uh, as and blessing people out into what's next. Um, can we pray for you as you go? And it was just such a moment as they held uh, this little one and we just gathered around them and just watching them shake in the emotion of it and being so with us in it, that felt like a, um, you've accepted, you've accepted our, uh, who we are both spiritually and with a sense of fun. And they asked us to be godparents, so it allowed us to, so we still connect with them now. But it felt like that's framed how we relate to them, that they'll now contact us if there's something going on where we'd really appreciate you sending one up to the big man for us. Uh, it happens, you know, that they've, they've kind of, I think us being spiritual has, allowed, has given them permission to be spiritual. Great. Thanks, Mel. So there's a lack of being ashamed. There's a there's a, a fun in there, and uh, so we might be good at this point. Just have a little pause, and and for each of us to think about what's our own context, where we can either be a thermostat or a thermometer. You know, it might be a workplace. It might be a place where we volunteer or serve or something that we're involved in. It might be our our home or people that we do life with, and. Um, and let's just have a moment, and you might, some of you might like to chat with other people, uh, your reflections, um, and so others of you would just like to have a, have a little think about, okay, what's, what's the context? Am I a thermostat? Am I a thermometer? How can I, how can I change these things? What are the kind of key values that I want to be bringing as, as culture? So let's do that for, for five minutes, and then we'll have a chance. If anyone's got questions for Mal um, uh, and Christelle, uh, you can ask, ask, ask any questions. Okay, so, so either chat on your, either think on your own or, or have a chat with someone near to you if you prefer. If, if you're wanting to do this on your own, um, just you might want to, that this is expressed in this worksheet. Can, um, can you go back to that one before? Um, that it's, uh, we, we put in there some of the ones that people are saying, I, I think the most important of your household is who do you most want to hear the Lord with? And the biggest ones for us have been relational that the ones that aren't hygge and fun are spiritual, about how do we do short accounts in relationship? How do we go after not, um, 
dealing with things that aren't right? How do we do conflict well? And uh, we, we kind of circle the ones that we most want to go after. We think all of these are good, but uh, what are the things you most want to go after? And then the follow-up in the exercise is, okay, and then what does it look like? So I guess I'd like to hear your, what do you most, as you're talking to each other, what do you most want to go after, and what does it look like? Um, my challenge from the first half of this is that uh, I'm a tennis coach one day a week, and I was thinking about our 11-year-old boys. Um, they all cheat. They really cheat. Like, their line calling is, are you all blind? <laughs> like, is the court bigger than... than, uh, than... And I was thinking... I've, I haven't been enough of a thermostat in that environment. I've just let their culture of cheating go, and I've just tried to respond to it, rather going, guys, this is not who we are. This is not how we operate. You know, this, and what's my language for that? Um, we have a language around, uh, it's not, I can't do it, I'm rubbish at this. It's, I haven't practiced enough. There's a difference. So when the one goes, I can't do this. Yes, you can. You just haven't practiced enough. What's the language? What's the example of how could I live into it? So it might be what's your life? What's the emphases ones? And what's the live ones that you're kind of going, I haven't been a thermostat there. I've let that culture ride. Does that make sense? Brilliant. Talk to each other. Okay, do we have some questions? Oh, Andrew. Right, Mal. Yeah, you get the other microphone, Mal. I've been to your house a couple of times. Very good experience. There are quite a lot of things that make up your cultural norms. A lot of rituals, routines, habits. Um, how did you start? What was the f- like? How did you get going? Because it's it's quite a not uh, overwhelming is the wrong word, but it's quite overwhelming listening to all the things that you do with your family. Yeah. How, do, how do you get started in your household with creating this? And I think that's, the, that's really good because I think it's, the, it's our 29th wedding anniversary today. We didn't have a flag in year one. <laughs> we, had, we didn't have a flag until our adult son went back to Venice and brought back a symbol of Venice for us that felt really rich for me of, man, you get this. So almost the one thing a year, I think, so our festivals cupboards are crazy now because we've got 30 years worth of tat from <laughs> from all the symbols, but almost one thing a year slowly, div- and I think we've also realized some things maybe, oh, let's give this a try, and does it stick? and giving the permission to go, does this work every year, and almost this is becoming a tradition, or is it, that was good for this year, but actually that didn't stick. And it's really interesting to see the gifts that keep on giving, that we now distill down to the, actually, best bit, worst bit at the supper table is a gift that is always given, and now we've added to it with, um, what have you learnt and who's been kind to you, um, now that everybody around the table's adult. Uh, but four-year-olds were doing best bit, worst bit. Um, and so just kind of, uh, yeah, one by one, not, you're absolutely right, it's incremental. Um, and some things are seasonal, and we're not precious about, uh, if that didn't really work, that was great for this year, 
but maybe not forever. Whilst other things, that's the story we want to keep telling. And that's what we want to keep doing because there's something rich in that that points to our culture. So we keep it. Is that? Yes, Harry. Thanks, Mal. I was just wondering, um, in terms of British culture in the broader sense and kingdom culture, or what we call what we're trying to do as Christians, yeah. what are the kind of big things that you kind of think happen with British culture that we need to try and resist in our kingdom culture? Yeah. And a top three would be great. Okay. But um, Vulnerability, challenge, and uh, conflict. Or... or um, or big going after, I think that whole British passivity mm. of letting things lie. Mm. So one of our one of our seven on that sheet of you know we want to be relational is we won't let things lie. Mm. You know we won't let it lie. We won't let the sun go down on our anger. That doesn't mean you've resolved the issue that night, but it does mean we've 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 raised the issue of I forgive you and I'm sorry. So keeping short accounts and challenging things and being willing to be, I think the key element of that is vulnerability and op open, but it's relationally we want to set a really high bar of no secrets, openness. Uh, and I think it, it did say uh, we won't let crap stay around, but I think it says poo now as the number, but it's that we don't want things that smell, we don't want to tolerate things that we know smell mm. you know we actually want to address them and deal with it and i don't think that's very british i think the british thing is sweep it under the carpet and the carpet just gets higher and higher um and bumpier and bumpier and matthew 18 would be the key scripture into that of if such if you've got an issue with somebody go to them and don't triangulate it of i've got an issue with you so i tell chris uh, I go to you, and if we and and I and if uh, and if you say, I'm really sorry, I didn't realise that, Mel. I don't need to involve Chris. I only bring Chris in if you kind of. But we want to address, be, go after relationship, go after it vulnerably and as a higher bar. Thanks. Got time for one more question, but I just want to comment on that a minute. Come to this and say, Doug, um, just thinking that. I'm quite encouraged by what your answer there in terms of vulnerability and um, not being sort of passive. And those are two real victories I think we've had in the church here uh, over time. You know, Silas, I think, really led the way in terms of when he was going through depression and, and his sister was, was dying. He really he didn't hide that from us as a church. And, and, um, and, that, and I think we've, we've really recognized that the, the power of vulnerability and just being real and being honest. And, um, and, and the other thing is I, I think the kind of often a, you know, the kind of stereotype for what men are like can be kind of Homer Simpson. We'll sit on the couch, check out, you know, and, um, and just focus on comfort. And, and instead, I think there's been a, as a church, we've learned that actually men need to step up and take initiative. And, and, and it's been a, lot, a good journey with that. So I'm, I'm just quite encouraged as you're speaking about some of the journey that we've been on as a church in terms of developing our culture. Duncan. Harry, the, the other one that's not very British is I think we really do mean the one about uh, we want to communicate our marriage is important. So even the, when we always said when the kids were small that we would welcome each other before we welcome the kids because that actually gives the kids security. Whilst if we become child-focused, 
that's not actually helping the children. So we want to still be really strong about flirting with each other, um, dates. Uh, and, you know, I'm not saying our 15-year-old loves it, but I think it makes him feel secure. He just doesn't admit it. Now, <laughs> uh, I've, I've really, you know, loved the last few months finding out more about your family and what you guys do. That's great. Uh, I haven't been to your house yet. Like, uh, you know, I mean, Andrew's been twice, you know, uh, you know. <laughs> That's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> but I guess, uh, you know, um, I think it's great, you know, recognizing all those positive attributes that we're aiming for. But I think that for my, you know, you know, I, I think, well, for me and for, you know, other people here, there's, there are those negatives, you know, that actually, you know, in our family, you know, we do do shouting, we do do fighting, we do do kind of stuff like that. And um, I think if, uh, if I put that sign outside my family, I'd be a little bit like, this can be true sometimes, but I'm slightly papering over the cracks. How do you recognize and, you know, and kind of own the fact that actually you're setting a high bar that you can't necessarily always live up to? And, or maybe you do always live, you know, live up to it, in which case, brilliant. <laughs> well, obviously, <laughs> Chriselle does, but I don't, so maybe you need to I, I don't think there's anything wrong with going after something. And I don't think, I think, again, this comes back to the British thing of actually being, I, I like the idea of jo Joshua having this stone of witness, of you've almost like that sign being a stone of witness of this is what you've, wit this is what you've said you do. And that we know that we fall short. And we know, but actually, vulnerability and saying sorry actually is part of the culture. I think is one of the most attractive, beautiful things. And, and admitting where we don't get it right is, is, I think, really helpful as a cultural thing. But that doesn't mean that we're not, I think, I'm probably most motivated. What do I most want to go after is that the things that are in an opposite spirit to probably most what I grew up with, but what I know wasn't godly. And I think I am really motivated to go after. I'd, I'm still influenced by that because you know that's my con some of my conditioning. But that doesn't mean that I don't want to almost. I need the reminders to go after the opposite spirit. And I think probably motivationally, the things I most want to be. That's what I want to go after. And oh, I just reminded myself of something of my childhood there, and that's not what I want to be. But that doesn't mean I don't want to go after it. And I need, that's why I think it's to write it on your doorposts, write it on symbols on your wrists and your heads, so that it's actually there of this is what we're going after, not we've made it. Because, you know, you are invited so that you can see that we haven't made it. <laughs> or just talk to Jaden. <laughs> or any of, you know, our kids would say, you know, yeah, we, we want you to go after something. But we're all a work in progress. That's why it's the way, not the destination. We need to bring it into land there in terms of timing and things. But I'm sure you can you can talk to Mel and Christelle afterwards. And they're going to be here again in, in May. It's another opportunity. Let, you know, Do shout out if there's particular things you'd like to plumb into some more in terms of what's been coming. I thought I'd quite like to finish by um, by just speaking a blessing over us, if that's okay. And... Um, and I always like to caveat this in terms of saying, okay, I'm the pastor of the church, but I'm not pronouncing a blessing over you because I'm like some sort of on a special, special tier. Uh, I'd be equally happy with any of you speaking a blessing over all of us, you know. But this is a thing that we're authorized to do 
as Christians. We can speak blessings on behalf of Jesus, and we can all do that. But I, I just want to explain that before I do it, because I don't like the other British thing, is you sort of water it down and say, you know, God, would you please do this for us? Which isn't, doesn't have quite the same deliberateness, I don't think, as pronouncing a blessing, which is something that we're all actually authorized to do as Christians in quite a bold way. So Jesus said, and I think it's along the lines of this, the, the being a thermostat, he said that we are salt as Christians. With a, I see Sam Whitlock, and he taught me about putting more salt in my cooking, and I really appreciate it since, in terms of flavor. Then Rob Douglas is behind him, and he's the GP who's saying, what's your salt intake? <laughs> <laughs> so for this analogy, I'm going with Sam. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then, so Jesus said that we're, that we're salt that brings flavor to um, our context, like we're a thermostat that brings, and we're also light. He also said that we are light. So I want to just pronounce over you, and you, you think about the different settings that you are, the things that you're involved with, the, the places where you can influence culture. And so this is from, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, he said this, and, and I think it's just as applicable to all of us who are followers of Jesus today. So I bless you, people who are here in the name of Jesus, and say you are the salt of the earth because of Jesus. Be salty. Be salty in your homes, in your communities, in the places where you work, in the places where you walk. And also, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, you guys let your light shine before people, that they can see the good things that you do, the good things that you bring, and praise our Father in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Great. We'll finish there. Um, to continue conversations if that's helpful and uh, come and ask further questions and uh, good to be with you.